Welcome to the Seashore Church Message of the Week. This message is designed to bring more of heaven into your world today. For more resources like this, or to learn more about our church, visit seashorechurch.com. We're going to just pray, is that all right? So we're going to talk. Um, we're going to take communion. We're, not, we're going to take it like in about 10 or 15 minutes, okay? 20 minutes. But I'm just going to pray. I'm going to ask you to do this. We don't do this too often, like, but I'm going to ask you, everybody right now, join me in praying in tongues. If you pray in tongues, lift your voice so I can hear. And i got a microphone, so you're going to do it loud over the top of me. Like pray, start praying in tongues, loud, loud. If you don't and you want it, start asking God for it right now. And if you don't and you don't want it, that's okay too, right? I'm not going to push something on you, but really just say thank you, God. Thank you or hallelujah. Let some kind of praise or something off your heart lift to him. We're going to lift it. Come on. I want to hear you louder. Lift it up a little louder. God, we thank you, Jesus. You are the high king, God. You are the high king, Jesus. And we thank you. And we even as we're doing this, know that the prayer that we lift up to you today is the thing you want us to be doing all the time, is just engaging with you all the time. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. God, I just, even as I just talk over these remaining um, few minutes left in the service, I do pray that um, I, I speak what you want me to speak and drop away anything and everything else that doesn't need to be said here. And uh, I, I, God, I just pray really impress in people's hearts Already through the words that came forward, it's about the, some of the purity stuff is what you wanted me to talk about right now too. So they didn't even know it. So thank you, God, that you speak to us. Thank you that you speak to us and through us. And um, you just want this incredible relationship with us where we're just walking closer and closer every day and engaging with you every day on anything, on all things at all the time. And so pray, I pray that you help us to do it more. In Jesus' name. Okay. So I, I stood up here last week at the end of, um, uh, oh, he's walked away, he's doing lunch. Akeem preached last week and he, and he did great. He's a, such a great preacher. But I stood up and gave this word and it was based on, on Saturday I went walking with the Lord and I was walking around my neighborhood and several times just heard launderous soap, launderous soap. I'm just walking and I'm praying about other things and the Holy Spirit's just bursting in with launderer's soap. (laughs) And When he does that with you, listen, right? When he's speaking to you and if it seems like like comes out of left field even, let it distract you. Be distracted by the things that he's wanting to draw your attention to, right? Listen to his voice because the more we just attune to that, then drop the things that we might have our own agenda, the things that we might have wanted, he's going to really start speaking to us and showing us more and more things and he wants us to live by that direct revelation that we hear his voice and know what he's speaking to us every day, all the time. He wants us to live this way, right? So launder is soap and he just kept saying saying it. So I went home and I knew uh, there's quite a few, not, not a lot actually, but there's enough that it, uh, scriptures that I just looked through 
and didn't really have anything other than I knew that he just kept speaking it, speaking it. So noted down the scriptures and just, you know, went about my day later. Well, it was the day after them sitting the next day, Sunday morning, and Akeem's preaching, and I'm just sitting over here, and at one point he starts praying for the whole service, and I just saw bubbles wash over the whole of our community, like pink soap sudsy, fresh smelling bubbles all over the room. And several other people, because I got up and told everybody, several other people said they saw the same thing, which is pretty nice. Because he's confirming to me that yes, you did right, you saw right and you spoke right, but he's also confirming to them at the same time, yeah, you're seeing the same thing she saw because that's how he wants to teach us and train us into living by revelation, right? Anyway, as soon as I saw the bubbles... I knew this is what the word was. He gave me the word. Um, God is requiring us to walk into maturity. And, and Dave started saying this morning, if, if people could catch and, and glimpse um, pictures of their life and even this church corporately, what God wants to do in our lives, we'd understand this more and we'd be more willing to the task, more willing to exchange the junk and bring in his good that he wants to bring into our lives, right? The purity process. But this is what the word... And Dave wasn't even in the service last week because he was in Ohio. You were here? Oh, I apologise. <laughs> so this is, this is requiring maturity, God's presence, the increase, what he's wanting to give us is requiring maturity. It's a willingness on our part to walk in maturity, which is a willingness for accepting discipline, which is an unpopular word in America. So it's a willingness for accepting discipline. God disciplines those he loves. God loves us so much that he sent Jesus to save, rescue, heal, and deliver and God loves us so much that he also disciplines us into his righteousness so that we walk free of all worldly influences. That's the word that he gave on the, on the launderer's soap. He's wanting to come and purify us. He's wanting to come and wash away the things in us that have polluted us and the things that we've allowed from the world to just creep in to us and we've owned and we've made it ourselves. and we've allowed the things of the world to defile this temple. We've allowed the things of the world to compromise our thinking and compromise the way we speak to one another and compromise the way we do relationships. Uh, it's unbelievable to me today to know that people in church life can think so, so little of their sexuality that sleeping around before having getting married is okay with God. It's not okay with God. It is sinful. But there's reasons that he puts boundaries on us. He doesn't, in, he's not like harsh God saying something like that should stop. He's not harsh God. He says it's sinful and wants us to stop because it defiles us on the inside. And when we're defiled on the inside, we open our life to demonic influences and tyranny. And so he says, stop the sin, stop the defilement, stop the messing around because it hurts you. And so he's wanting us to stop doing this stuff is not because he's legalistic and full of rules for his benefit. It's for our benefit. It's because when we walk pure and free and open in him, the true freedom we have in Christ Jesus to walk free in him means we've turned our back on the world and our back on the sinful things to walk into his purity. And that takes incredible responsibility before the Lord. Freedom 
The world says freedom is just, I'm free to run around and do everything I want. Like sleep around is the one example I just used here. But it could be anything. Like marijuana is legal now. It doesn't mean people should be getting high. If you're a believer in Christ, for you to allow an altered state in your brain to be your medicine, you're saying, God, you're not enough for me. We have allowed so much compromise from the world to creep in and change our thinking and change our speaking and change the way we conduct our life, yet we still want the blood of Jesus to cleanse us away. We trample on the blood of Jesus by saying, I can live like the world, but I still want your freedom. I can live like the world, but I still want your blood to wash me clean. I'm trampling on the blood of Jesus. If I gossip about a sister or a brother, I'm trampling on the blood of Jesus if I use my soul power to manipulate and get my way with other people. I'm trampling on the blood of Jesus and God has had enough. And I know this is a little bit hard. Strong, I should say. I know this is a little bit strong. But this is what the launderer's soap is about. God wants us to walk so purely before him. He will not pour out his strong power in in, in anointing upon us if we will not walk into the purity that he's already provided through Jesus. But we have to choose to say no to the things of the world. We have to choose to say no. So a a couple of weeks ago, or for actually for a few months, we've been talking about relationships and accountability, relational accountability, how to love people, how to have boundaries and things, right? Um, But here's, here's one thing that I said a couple of weeks ago, and I'm going to say it today. I just used sexual immorality as one example. Um, but I could use murder. Murder's bad, right? Murder's bad. But you know, if I tell a lie, <laughs> that's the same bad. <laughs> it's not like, well, lying's okay. It's not as bad as murder. Killing a child, that's really bad. But lying, I think, God, I can just slip that one in. I'll be okay with that. No. No. A lie to God is the same as if I was just to cut someone's throat right here in front of you and kill them dead. Dead, but lying is the same. Because its origination on the inside is still from the sin nature. But you know that Jesus Christ died to, to, to open the way for you to be born again and for you to receive God's nature and for you to be partakers of God's nature and for you to be brand new on the inside so that you now have his nature on the inside and you look like Jesus even on the outside because there's joy welling up that makes this way to look like that on your face. You, I, don't know, I might need to explain that one a little better. <laughs> I just had one of those moments, Sorry. I'm like understanding what I want to say, but I was like, I don't know that it came out the way it should have. Um, what is on the inside here? If my heart is full of joy, you're going to see it on my face. It's going to be manifest on the outside, right? Did you catch that? But you know what? If my face, if, my, if, I, if I am bent up with pain, uh, bondage, uh, anxiety, depression, which all have the origination in sin, by the way, if I'm bent up with all that stuff, then that's going to make its way out on my countenance on the outside. You're going to see it as well. Except that there. <laughs> I just explained it. <laughs> so, we're going to take communion, but we're going to read some scriptures around it first. If you all will open to 1 Corinthians chapter 10.
I know this is strong. I sat for nine hours yesterday praying. <laughs> That's a long time, right? <laughs> Going, yeah, is there any other way? <laughs> um, from 1 Corinthians chapter 10. I'm going to read from, let's see, I'm going to read first of all, just from verse 20. I'm going to read just halfway through. You're going to see just the pieces I'm going to read. I do not want you to participate with demons. Paul is writing that to believers. And the context is in communion, okay? But, but he's literally saying, I do not want you to participate with demons, Verse 21, you cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons too. You cannot have part in both the Lord's table and the table of demons. So that's in the context of communion and in the context then of what types of foods um, believers were eating and not eating because they were mixing a lot of their foods on their own homes. They were bringing home foods that were um, dedicated over to idols. Okay, But if you flip over, please. Two, chapter 12. Still in the context of communion, okay? Verse 17 in chapter 11 says, again, this is communion. In the following directives, I have no praise for you. For your meetings do more harm than good. In the first place, I hear that when you come together as a church, there are divisions among you. um, The family of God for 2,000 years, since the moment of Pentecost, right, till now, this is the story of us. There have been divisions among you. Actually, really is quite, um, and the divisions happen because we're jealous. The divisions happen because we've allowed strife. The divisions happen because we, I think, I'm better than the next person. There's inferiority and there's superiority and there's elitism over in one person and there's, you know, narcissistic stuff happening over here. And we just have not been able to examine our hearts and bring our hearts into relationship or into the, you know, context of church in a way that God can really have His way in a family, because we, that's what we are. We're, we're God's family. This is one expression, and, you know, all across Virginia Beach, there's all kinds of churches and, and expressions of God's family on the earth, right? But God is looking for family who will really walk after the ways of Jesus. God is looking for family who are going to allow. So it's the degree by degree. So day by day, I get up and I choose how I'm going to live. Day by day I get up and I choose, I'm going to live for the Lord, I'm going to honour the Lord with my, I'm going to dedicate my, my heart, my lips, everything that comes off here, the way I conduct all of the relationships around about me. From I'm a mum, so my own household and my, my, um, my wifing to my parenting to my, that side of life, but then also how I, how I come in a family here at church and how I love people and show dignity and give respect. And every one of us chooses every single day how we conduct ourselves right 
He's given us the free choice too. And, and so, but 2,000 years and here we are and the church is divided over a lot of things. I'm talking very generally, right? The church is divided over all kinds of things. I had a conversation with one of my sons last night. He was asking me about different denominations and how they originated, right? So we have in America, there's, um, after the Protestant Reformation, there was the Catholic, capital C, Catholic denomination, but then, um, it, you know, within the Western um, church, there was a split and Protestantism happened. And within Protestantism, there are, there's thousands and thousands of labels now. And so there's, we know the big ones like Baptists and Pen, um, Pentecostals and we know uh, Presbyterians and we know Episcopals and we know Anglicans and United Methodists and Methodists and they don't, you know, there's United Methodists and there's Methodists and, and they've got to be different. It's division. And, so, and then there's Baptists and within the Baptists there's like some Baptists are just, I'm just, I'm just regular Baptists, I'm Reformed Baptists, I'm, we're First Baptists of Norfolk, well then we're Second Baptists of Norfolk, right? And you understand, I'm making jokes, but, but the divisions happen because we haven't allowed renewal here, which is even, not even that it's one to another first, right? The renewal here. We have brought our hearts somewhat and want, yes, I want this thing called salvation. Yes, I want my sins forgiven. And, and many just want that, but still have these old habits, unrenewed, unsanctified areas of their life happily. I'm not talking about someone who wants to get renewed and wants the sanctification. I'm talking about people who willfully just sit and stay in that place of unsanctified, unrenewed areas and old habits that just continually, um, you know, it's like around their life, they've built up enough ability just to keep the old lifestyle, yet, so it's one foot in the world, but one foot in church. Like one foot in the world, but one foot in the church family. I know how to speak and do here because I can say all the right religious Christian ease things. And over here, I still get to have the fun right? God wants to end it all. God wants us to just be people who really devote everything, everything, from my last thought to, you know, everything, anything that I did today, yesterday, last week. He wants, he wants, he wants all of you, is what I'm trying to say. He wants, he's a jealous God, and he longs for all of you. he longs for your heart. He longs for the devotion of your heart. And, and, and we're divided from one another because our heart has been divided. Anything that's happening relationally is first happening because it was happening in my heart here before God. Right? Everything that's happening here between, doesn't matter, husband, wife, someone else in church, parenting, doesn't matter. Chaos, if chaos is all around about me, it's because there's chaos here and I haven't allowed him to touch it, which often means I haven't surrendered it. No matter what I'm speaking out of my mouth and telling people a good story of myself, if there's just chaos ensuing everywhere and everything I touch is turning to chaos, it's because I haven't surrendered. So the surrender here and the honesty here, the devotion here, then permits or actually I should say better, promotes, promotes incredible health in all of the other relationships that I do 
around the earth. You know, God said that, um, Jesus said that the, the greatest command is to love God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength, right? And then the second is to love your neighbor as yourself. It's not hard. It takes surrender. God has made it very simple. It's surrender. When you surrender to him, we receive more of him. And when we receive more of him, we actually receive more of his love. And Jess had that word of capacity, grow in the incre- increasing capacity for love, which, which increase, includes us receiving it and then being able to give it back to him and then being able to give it away. Right? Surrender. The surrender is the issue that people have issue with. People can't surrender. But I want to ask you today, how much of God do you really want? We all choose. I choose the level of freedom that I have. I choose my level of surrender. I choose the level of Jesus that I have in my life. Do you know that? So you might look, so I run the church with Clayton. Clayton and I are the pastors, right? So you might go, I could, I'm not saying that you do, but some people could. Um, I don't, you know, she, she has a great prayer life. I don't know that I could ever have a prayer life like that. Or well, she really knows the Lord and she's been doing this for years. Do you know, it's got nothing to do with that. How much of Jesus you can have in your life has nothing to do with your life having to look like mine or your prayer life having to look like mine or someone else might get fit that, you know, well, Jess, I'd use Jess as an example. She has word after word after word on Sundays, right? And like, how, how, does, how does someone like that do that? And it's not about you looking to someone else and trying to copy someone else. It's about you yielding to the Holy Spirit yourself. It's about you just surrendering everything and beginning a conversation with him every single day. And the more you do that, you'll find he's wanting to speak back to you and talk to you about things that are huge and amazing and wonderful, including yourself, because he thinks you're huge and amazing and wonderful and brilliant. But we just don't stop ourselves long enough to allow him to do that. That's why I began right now just getting us to pray and lift our voices. We only did it for like a minute or two or three at the max, right? But, but doesn't it feel good to pray? So sometimes it just takes a bit of a reminder, like, get up and do it. <laughs> really? It's a little bit of a reminder. Just get up and go. Just do it. He just wants you to interact with him. But here's the discipline I do want to talk about to Purity. What we've been given in Jesus Christ is so incredibly, mind-blowingly amazing. The freedom that we have in him, the salvation that we have in him, the eternal life that we have in him, the, 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 the Holy Spirit, the one who you know created everything because it was the Holy Spirit hovering over creation and, and bringing order from what was chaos, right? And, and put every, you know, Jesus, Jesus is the, God, God had the designs, Jesus is the word, the word went out and the Holy Spirit did it at creation, right? So the Holy Spirit is the one who does life with us here now, but he lives in your heart. If you've given your life to Jesus, he's literally come and made his home inside your heart. The God of heaven lives and dwells on the inside of you. It's not a small thing. I think we sometimes forget that. That's like a miracle. And it's a huge miracle because the one who put the sun in his place and the sun still obeys is the one who's made his home in your heart. And he resides there. And he did it. We're going to take communion. So whoever was going to be getting the implements, you can go get them. He did that through the new covenant. He can only do that through the new covenant. Jesus Christ 
died on the cross, shed his blood, and the blood being shed onto the ground on the earth is what ratified the new covenant. We take communion, and the Bible says we take communion and say these words. Jesus said to do this in remembrance of me. And Jesus was saying, because you can do this every day in your home, by the way, not just when we do it at church occasionally, like do it all the time. When we, when we just sit with the Lord and commune with him, right, as communion, we're taking communion, it's the commune with the Lord, it's have fellowship with the Lord, it's sit there and engage his heart, it's sit there and remember, oh my gosh, this is the creator of heaven and earth and he's come to sit with me and speak to my heart right now. So as you commune with him and you speak to him, you might pray or you might sing to him or he might sing to you. Like, Allow there to be something in you that just goes, pursues this relationship with him so you understand who he is. There's a song, there's a song, recent song, maybe it's only a year old, and it, and it says this, it's Brian and Katie Torwell, and there's a line, and it says, Oh, my soul, remember who it is you're talking to. I love that. Oh, my soul. Remember who it is you're talking to. Like God is the God of heaven who created everything. He's the one who's going to just sit right there on the couch with you as you just spend time with him. And, and he wants to spend time with you more than you even want to spend time with him. Like, like he's like please he's the jealous God longing for time with you he's a jealous God he longs the Bible says that the Holy Spirit is even jealous he's jealous for the Spirit of God in you to connect back to his heart right and that God is literally waiting over you hoping that there'll be time in your day that you'll just give to him hoping that there'll be time in your day that as you set aside and you give time to him that you allow him to put revelation into your heart that you allow that you allow him to expand your thinking and your revelation so you understand how big he is because he's huge he's amazing he's the king of heaven there's no other name under heaven and even in the earth that is not going to have to bow to the name of Jesus Christ and so it doesn't matter what circumstance you're walking through right you can go oh my gosh the world is crazy right now and it is we know that but Jesus is still king in it And so as you sit on the couch with him and he sits there with you and he's wanting to speak right into your heart, remember who is sitting there doing that with you. It is the king who every other person on the planet and then thrones in heaven, thrones on the earth, whether I'm talking about principalities, right, demon principalities, and then you can include all the politicians that they run. All of those people are going to have to acknowledge who Jesus Christ is. But he's the one who wants to sit on your couch with you and spend time with you. I'm in Hebrews right now. Um, the someone can someone get me? A, oh, have you got? What, is it open? I don't need to open. Oh, you're so kind. I wasn't going to open it just yet, so you... I was just going to... Thanks. <laughs> I still need it open, because I'm still going to be doing it one-handed. <laughs> so, okay, okay. Are you trying to give it to me now, though? Sorry. Awkward moments with Clayton and Romy. Okay. I might need help later. I'll put it there. 
Um, it's no small thing who sits with you on your couch as you just open up your Bible. You might not open up your Bible, you might have a journal, you might just be writing down stuff with him, right? Um, or you might just be going for a walk. I walk. Um, I, I love to go walking with him and just talk and pray. Um, you could be in your car driving. He's right there in the car with you driving. He never leaves you, right? But your intentional moments to just start remembering who's there with you <laughs> brings him into every moment. Acknowledge the Lord in all your ways, right? That's as you're going on all of those ways. You can be doing dishes, doesn't matter. As you just start to engage with him and bring him into all those moments, remember who it is who's there with you. This is what, this is what communion represents, right? The, the communion. Jesus said, do it in remembrance of me. It is a prophetic act um, stating I'm under the new covenant. I'm under the covenant of grace. I'm under the covenant that Jesus won for me through his shed blood. Now, chapter, Hebrews chapter 8. I'm going to read from verse 8. Halfway through that phrase. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with people of Israel and with the people of Judah, which means praise. We're people of praise. I w it will not be like the old covenant, which was Moses' covenant, full of religious obligations and requirements and blood shedding from animals and um, the sacrificial system. It's not going to be, it's not like the old covenant. It's not harsh, it's not legalistic, okay? That I made with the, it will not be like the old covenant I made with the ancestors when I took them by the hand to lead them up out of Egypt because they did not remain faithful to my covenant and, return, and I turned away from them. Verse 10, this is the covenant I will establish with the people. I will put my laws in their minds. I will write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. That's really key, right? They will be my people. Because a moment ago I stood here and said, it's like a lot of Christians just want to have one foot in the world and one foot over here. But God said, anybody who's lukewarm, he's going to spit out. Right? In Revelation. Now, one foot in the world and one foot in with, with God, when he's actually really calling us to just be all in with him. He's calling us to walk so purely and be all in with him. And the reason is because he wants to call us his own. But while we have one foot in the world, he can't. Because we are inviting defilement. We are inviting a profanity into our life. We are inviting sinful um, desires. We are polluting ourselves with the things of the world. And God is like, I love you so much. If only you would realize and pull your foot up out and step over onto this side and choose full devotion, full purity before me because I have so much for you and I want to put my name over you so I can designate you as my people in a way where you can carry my glory and carry my presence in a way unprecedented in every other nation. Uh, generation before you that's what this is about carrying his glory in a ways history has not yet seen what God wants to do through people who just are going to be people who are called by his name I will be their God and they will be my people no longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another know the Lord because they all will know me from the least of them to the greatest like the Holy Spirit is the one who comes and becomes your teacher. He's the one sitting with you on the couch. It's God. 
You can ask the most basic instructions for how do I order my budget a little better to how do I run a business strategies. You can ask how do I deal with this relationship that's really hard. He'll give you prophetic revelation on how to do relationships really well. He'll give you, oh, I'll tell you a cheat story. How long have we got? 12-12, not long. One time, because, you know, I've been doing... uh, Oh, it was a long time ago. I was doing like a pretty hard course on theology and I had like, it was like 40 hours of just school before I had anything else to being a wife and mum and, you know, we run a church and doing any kind of work. So I had to do, I had to do this exam. It's a three-hour exam. (laughs) And I was like, I don't even have the time to do the reading for that, Jesus. He literally told me what was in the test. (laughs) I'm telling you this, is he gave me the cheat code. So please understand, the Holy Spirit with you on the couch is sitting there telling you and giving you instructions. I, if, if I, so I literally just wrote down what the Holy Spirit told me was going to be on this exam and didn't do any of the other studying, which meant that if I if, if I'd heard wrong or he was wrong, not that God's wrong, but, but if I was wrong, I'd fail, right? And so I wrote down what was on the test and I went, Okay, I'll just go and do that one hour of reading instead of 20. I hope I heard you right. <laughs> Literally. Well, I open up the exam and sure enough, he, he, gave me, he gave me the full cheat code and I got 100%. <laughs> so I'm not, no, I don't recommend it. Like I don't recommend that. I did go back later when I had the time and went and did all the proper um, reading because he knows he knows he he could trust me to go and have integrity to do the work. All right. So it's not like he just gives you gives stuff away and allows you to have no integrity about what you're doing. He wants us. This is part of being pure. Is walking with integrity. And I even told my professor <laughs> just to tell him myself, right? Because uh, I was like, okay, this happened. But, but the, the week after, I went and did all the reading. And I, so I gave him cliff notes of the reading. So he knew, like he knew that I'd done the work, right? Because there's a big part of this. As Holy Spirit sits with you on the couch and he wants to give you incredible prophetic revelation. He's so practical and so helpful and so kind and wants us to do so well at life. But he, one part of that is that we be people who walk incredibly integrous, and have lives that Jesus can put his name on, like I just read. The people after my name. All right? Don't go praying, God, give me the cheat codes. <laughs> the exams. Like, the proper learning is really good. But, but he, knows, he knows I needed it in that moment, right? Okay. Moving on. Okay. I'm going to read just from verse 11, Hebrews 8, 11. No longer will they teach their neighbor or say no to one another. Know the Lord because they all will know me from the least of them to the greatest. So that means a three-year-old or a five-year-old or a ten-year-old can walk with as much revelation as I do or you do. It's not about an age. It's about a faith maturity. And sometimes the eight-year-old has more faith than that 52-year-old to get up and really trust God. Right? Sometimes God wants us just to really take him at his word and really believe and live this way of faith. Okay, now back over to the blood of Christ and what communion's about. In chapter 9, it says this, chapter 9, verse 11. I 
Actually, I won't read it all, just trying to shorten this. So it's talking about the, um, the, the old covenant was based upon sacrifices of animals, which a lot of people understand that. For those that didn't, really short, sin needed to be covered. Blood needed to be shed to cover sin. But the, but the sin of humans, people's sin, was only temporarily covered by the blood of bulls and lambs and rams. Okay, It was, it was covered, it, but it was temporary. And God needed a permanent solution and, and Jesus became the sacrifice for you and I. And so his blood was shed and that was a permanent solution and a permanent covering for all who will walk and trust in the blood of Jesus Christ. Okay, so break in here. Verse 14. So concerning the blood of animals, verse 14 says, How much more then will the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit, Holy Spirit, offered himself as the unblemished sacrifice for us to cleanse us and cleanse our consciences from all acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God. It is his blood that purifies us so fully and so wholly. His blood completely washes away absolutely everything everything. And so so you can stand before God and he's not looking at you or anything you've done in the past. He's literally looking at you through the lens of the blood of Jesus, which has washed you completely clean and free. And through that lens, he's then also seeing you as one who has been made completely righteous and completely holy. That's the status that Jesus gave to you because of his sacrifice. He's given that to you. It's free. You can't earn it. But then when you have a Christian that's got one foot in the world and then one foot over here trying to like live holy, pretending, but then one foot in the world that won't give up that stuff. This is the stuff God wants to purify out of his church. So one foot in the world. Well, I've been made holy. So now I'm free to sleep around. Now I'm free to, free to get drunk. Now I'm free to, I don't know, I'd smoke marijuana like I used earlier. It could name it, a lot of things. Lie, gossip, cheat, sexual immorality. doesn't matter. doesn't matter. But the, we do not have freedom to keep sinning. We do not have freedom to keep sinning. The more a Christian stands in this place of, of sinning on the one hand, and now I'm not talking about accidental stuff. We all have accidental stuff, right? The accidental stuff is covered under the blood of Jesus. And the moment we just realize it and go, oh my gosh, I did it again. I am sorry. And there's true repentance, sincere repentance. It's completely covered. It's completely done. It's completely washed away again. Okay. I'm talking about willfulness. The willful. I am going to keep doing this anyway. Over here on Sundays, I'll get washed. But then on Mondays, back on Monday, live how I want to do what I want, make excuses for it. We're really good at it, aren't we? We're really good at making excuses for ourselves. God doesn't want us to be doing it. God doesn't want the excuses because the minute we start making excuses, we're literally trampling on the blood of Jesus Christ. I'll keep reading. (laughs) Yeah, okay. It's, 12, it's 12.20 almost. So I will skip over. Chapter 10, Hebrews 10, verse 26. If we deliberately keep on sinning 
after we have received the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sins is left. But only the fearful expectation of judgment and of raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. I'm just going to read that first verse again. If we deliberately keep on sinning after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there is no sacrifice for sins left. I'm talking about sitting with the, with the one who created heaven and earth. I sit with him on the couch, right? You sit with him on the couch. He rides around in your car and you can talk to him, right? He's the one who shed his blood for us. But if I think that he's going to ride around in my car or sit on my couch and give me revelation and, and, and be in relationship with me, but then, but then I also am living like this life, double life, like living the way I want some days and other days pretending to myself because it's self-deception, right? Pretending, well, I'm forgiven, don't you know? It's self-deception. If I haven't made the choice to take my foot out of the world. The Bible here says I am trampling on the very precious and very costly blood of Jesus Christ. I am doing it. I am trampling. If I deliberately and willfully keep on doing things that are sinful, I am trampling on the blood of Jesus Christ. And it was such an expensive, heavenly, like bankrupting moment when Jesus died on the cross for you and me. He bankrupted heaven, God did. There's nothing on earth that you could pay that would, all of the riches on the earth, all of the gold, all of the silver, all of the precious metals, all of the stocks on the stock exchange, all of the property, any, any financial figure that you can come up with still cannot come close to even touching the blood of Jesus and its worth, its value into your life, given into your life to pay for your, the price for you. Like the blood of Jesus is precious and it is holy. And because it is precious and because it is holy, he has, takes us aside and asks us to come up out of the world and step aside and set ourselves aside. To be set apart means to be holy. So I'm stepping away from the world, taking that foot out and separating so that I can be holy unto my God, given over to him, every part of me. Nothing held back. Like nothing held back. And any excuse that I might make in my heart for wanting that old wife or any excuse that I might make for still, you know, hanging about in it, every one of those excuses must come down because of how precious and how holy Jesus Christ is. There's not a moment of your life that he wasn't with you there's not a thing that's been done to you that he doesn't know about so he knows every memory and every experience he knows whether you've been wounded and things right so he knows sometimes we have a collection of memories and some of those things need to be touched by him so that we can have the ability to stop making the excuses for wanting to stay over in the old way of life right he understands that because he was with us in all of those moments in all of those memories he's right there with us, through every moment of our life, he knows every, he knows how many hairs you have on your head. Look, I'm, my hair's growing back after COVID. Isn't it good? 
words. <laughs> anyway, I kind of said that to bust a little bit because I need, I need people to breathe a little lighter. <sighs> Do that. Inhale, exhale. <sighs> I really need to cut this short, so I will now because I've already gone. Come with me back over to 1 Corinthians and back over to chapter 11 this time. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. I talked about being participants in a cup with demons, but this is really what the even more important. I talked about the divisions part two, but again, so what I'm going to do is read, read 11.27 with me from 27. Whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. So in church world, we've treated a lot of church world quite casually. A lot of us can, right? Come in to church Sundays, take communion Go back out, have fun, have lunch. There's nothing wrong with having lunch. There's nothing wrong with having fun. What I'm talking about is treating this in an unworthy manner and treating the body of Christ, your brothers and sisters, in an unworthy manner. Verse 28 says, Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup. And the examining of myself is me deciding to take my foot out of the world and planting it firmly, both feet, in Christ and allowing him to go through all of those old memories and go through all of those old experiences, allow him to go through all of my those interior parts of me, any excuse I might make for myself in those, those lies that I might have believed if I've allowed myself to be in a place of self-deception over things, allow him to break it all off me and purify my mind, purify my thinking, purify my heart, purify my motive, motives, every part of me. So even, even the, you know, my, my mouth and my words become purified because, because the very internal part of me, all of my issues in my life flow from my heart, right? And if he's purifying my heart, then my, the words coming off my mouth will be pure as well, Right? That's what this is about. It's examining our heart. He calls every single one of us to examine our heart. I know this is strong. I know this is strong. This is needed. You know, we need some medicine. The body of Christ needs some medicine. And this is what this is a little bit today. Verse 29 this is why we need the medicine, actually. There you go. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ, eat and drink judgment on themselves. Who is the body of Christ? We are. I am the body of Christ. You are the body of Christ. It just said here, for those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ, eat and drink judgment on themselves. What does it mean to not discern the body of Christ? And eat and drink this, the communion, but not discern the body of Christ. What do you think it might mean? Have you thought about, read that before and just glossed over it? Or, or not understood it? Do you know for me to discern the body of Christ means I step up into a brother or a sister's world right here. I step up into a brother or sister's world 
and I recognise she's my sister, I better now honour her because Jesus is on the inside of her. And because Jesus is on the inside of her, I'm going to treat her as holy, sanctified, redeemed, highly valued, precious, blood-bought daughter of the King of Heaven. And do you know what that does? If I have that kind of revelation of what it means to be a brother or a sister and someone who's in discerning the body of Christ, now it means I treat her with the same respect I'd treat Jesus. I don't worship her, but sure do I now recognize every time I'm talking to her or about her, Holy Spirit is right there listening to it all. Do you understand where I'm going with this? So because we've taken and participated in communion, but we haven't often discerned the body of Christ and we haven't understood what it means to be part of God's family. I spoke earlier about he wants a family that are so holy that he can just put his name over and his glory over in such a way that we can be really great carriers of his glory and vessels, vessels for glory, right? But, but we can't be until we start rightly discerning who our brother and sister is as the body of Christ. But if I don't treat my brother or my sister worthy of my love, honour, respect, like honour, the high value, so that means I watch what I say about them, how I say it about them, how I conduct my affairs in the church life, in the greater family. Do you understand what I'm saying by this? The Bible here says, those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ eat and drink judgment on themselves. Verse 30, this is why many among you are weak and sick and a number of you have fallen spiritually asleep. So one foot in the world is really easy if you're spiritually asleep. Right? One foot in the world, the pollution won't even be noticed. The defilement won't even be noticed because I've put myself on spiritual slumber by mixing the communion and not understanding the holiness of the blood of Jesus that washes away my sin and then, but also washes away the sin of my brother or sister right next to me. It's both, right? Verse 31. Well, I'm going to read 30 again. I really want it to land in hearts. This is why many among you are weak and sick and a number of you have fallen asleep. So let's, let's allow the Lord to examine our hearts on that stuff, huh? Because he's gentle. He's really kind. He's so kind. The minute we just go, wow, I really screwed up there. And that is followed with really sincere, I, I'm sorry, God, I'm repenting. That split second that sin is completely washed away from you, far as the east is from the west. Do you understand? That's the power of the blood of Jesus. So the same thing I'm talking about on the one hand is not treat this unholy in an unholy manner, but the split second you do repent, the same thing here, the blood, also washes away all that unholiness immediately and you are clean. You're made clean. Verse 31, if we were more discerning with regard to ourselves, we would not come under such judgment. Nevertheless, when we are judged in this way by the Lord, we are being disciplined so that we will not finally be condemned with the world. 
I better wrap up. It's so late. Did you just say it is? Okay. <laughs> I love you anyway. <laughs> this is my brother. I'm discerning. I'm discerning the other body of Christ over here. <laughs> um, for real, for real though, I I knew I had to. I knew I had to talk about this today because. Uh, in the last few months, we've even been talking about relational accountability and how we really love people in the body of Christ, how we love family members, how we should be treating one another, that we don't go around lying, gossiping, falsely accusing, falsely slandering each other. If we can get that right, and I mean, when I say get that right, I mean really drop those sinful, extremely disgusting habits. So I'm saying get that right is a little nicer, right? <laughs> If we can really bring that to the Lord and really stop that, he will really start to mature us in the ways that are going to uh, gonna really surprise us in the most beautiful way. The maturity of the believer, he's really, he wants us to walk mature. But to walk mature, well, we've got to walk free of the old habits and the old ways, right? So we're going to take this. I'm just going to give you like 30 seconds. Maybe you want to say sorry for something. Maybe you have been already, so that's cool too, right? But Jesus, we do just bring our hearts before you right now. It's the one thing that you said to keep doing and keep doing and keep doing and as we do remember you, as we do remember the precious blood of Jesus, remember your body that was broken for ours, that, that our body now, the exchange, is, the exchange is where you died, we died with you. Where you rose, we rose up with you. And because your body was, um, you were sinless. You did not sin, God. You did not sin at all, Jesus. You were so pure and you were so holy, but you took upon your body, our sin, our sickness, our disease, our brokenness, our inability to do anything about ourselves and our mess. You took it upon your body and that exchange is because you took it upon the sinless, sinless, spotless body of yours we get your purity and we get your holiness and we are made whole because of your generosity. And Jesus, today, as a church family, we are saying we will not trample the blood of Jesus. We are saying together, we want you to examine our hearts. We invite you to examine our hearts. We invite you to have your way. We invite you to do that heart surgery, like that spiritual heart surgery, so that we walk heal and clean and whole before you, so that we are people who are really changed by you day by day, year by year, that we become more like Jesus, literally that we would look like Jesus because we've allowed you to do this journey in us. So Jesus, as a family, we are dedicating, rededicating again, and we are repenting of old ways. We are repenting of old habits that we've clung to and not let go of. And Jesus, we, I know as people let go of stuff, God, show them what the exchange is. Show them that they just get much, much more of you. Thank you, Father. Help us examine our hearts in the way that you want us to, not in a religious, harsh way, because you're gentle and you do it in a way that's so gentle and so kind. You know when we can... Uh, have your heart surgery, the heart surgery done by you. You know the timing for that. You know each of us and you're so gentle with each of us. Thank you, Jesus. So, Jesus, we thank you for this bread and we thank you for this blood. And we remember what you did for us. We remember the sacrifice. It was expensive. And you did it for us because to you, God, we are most precious.
And so I pray here today people would understand you view them as so highly precious that even the precious blood of Jesus was worth shedding for them. So Jesus, I do pray, show people their preciousness. Show people their value. Help people understand the value and worth in you, God. That Jesus' blood, as expensive as it was to spend on their behalf, was worth it. Sometimes I take the implements a little sooner. It's cool. (laughs) Yeah, let's take the bread and the wine. I said that because I looked around and saw a few people going, do I take it now? Do I not take it now? Yes? No? Thank you, Jesus. 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 Thank you for purifying us, God. Thank you for making us holy, God. You know, is the juice just, as I swallow it down, you can because it's very sweet, so you can feel it go down. I think this sometimes, I'll let that wash me again. Because you can feel it go down, right? It's just enough to let it, feel feels it go down in your throat. I literally say with the Lord, let it wash me again. 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 Right? Okay, I'm going to pray to close. Do this. Pray with me right now, but if there is if there's stuff that you, you just go, you know what, the stuff you talked about, I need some prayer for. There are people here today who will pray for you. Um, who's in the prayer team? If anybody can stick up that, anybody who's done the Sozo videos, by the way, that would include, yeah, anybody with a hand up right now? Are you kidding me too? Okay. So do please approach someone after, while we're eating, We can have some ministry time going on too, okay? But God, I just pray blessing on people right now. I just really just seal that. I pray, God, that we be people who really are allowing you to have your way and to undergo your process to mature us, that you would be allowed to wash us clean every day and produce in us the maturity and the Christ-likeness that you're looking for. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen. Thank you for joining us today. For more resources like this or to find information about our weekly services, visit seashorechurch.com.